three, two, one. All right, man. Awesome. Hey guys, it's Tristan with Cairo Sushi, and I'm really grateful and excited because I have our first guest in our series of uh, our Cairo Sushi Samurai Book of the Quarter Club, uh, which is a book, just to let you know, Mark, uh, we want to make a statement with the book that we chose to go out with. Uh, I sent Mark a message, an email, uh, hey, we're buying a shitload of your book. I actually bought so many books at one point on Amazon that it was sold out. It was only like for like an hour or so. <laughs> but I couldn't buy any more books because I'm like sending the books to people in our group as they're signing up. And obviously, dude, this this book, dude, when I'm at the airport and I've been traveling a lot, I go into Hudson News and stuff like that. And I see so many people pick this book up. I want to start real quick here. The title, obviously, and the color brand scheme, very intelligent sure. and smart, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now. There was I forget who did uh, do awesome shit or do great shit. Uh, she was uh, she's a co-founder of a company. Forget her name. Forgive me, guys. I'll, I'll get it later. But are you? I mean, you own now. Fuck for books. No one else can ever own that again. <laughs> I suppose so. I, it's pretty good real estate in terms of the English language. <laughs> <laughs> what um what did you go i just have to ask did you go with the orange scheme because it just obviously another draw intention point i think that was that was the idea behind it um harper felt very strongly about the orange uh we talked yeah. about a, num a number of cover of colors and and they they really wanted to go with that and um yeah it worked out great really happy with it Cool, man. So let's uh, let's start about you first. You you started a sure. blog that's received a lot of attention. You got some really cool courses. I, I just took the communication course myself. I'm actually interested in taking the anxiety one and the travel courses. For anyone who's interested in learning what we're talking about, you can go to markmanson.net um, and you can actually sign. Dude, like six bucks a month. It's like less than a <laughs> cup of co less than a cup of coffee for two two days a month. Talk to us about the blog, where you came from, your your whole sure. kind of MO. Um, so I started, I probably like a lot of people, I read 4-Hour Workweek back like 2007 um, and decided, hey, I want to have an online business um, since that was like a cool thing to do back then. Right. Um, and so I, I actually started out in just internet marketing, like direct marketing, um, affiliate sales, and things like that. Um, and I wasn't very good at it. I didn't really like it. I wasn't very good at it. But like back then, one of the big pieces of advice, if you looked at marketing seminars or, or internet business seminars, they would all, everybody was like, start a blog, start a blog, start a blog. It was the, the hot new thing back in 2008 or whatever. Um, so I just started blogging because I, I thought like, oh, this is just how you get traffic and I need traffic if I'm gonna like sell stuff and make money and go live on a beach or something. Um, right. What ended up happening is it turned out I was really good at the blogging and people really liked the blog um, and I was kind of crappy at selling stuff. So <laughs> over the course of about two years, it slowly evolved into just me blogging all the time because that, that's what people wanted. Uh, and so, yeah, I've basically been full-time writer, author, blogger since 2010 or 11. Awesome. And uh, Jeff Langmaid wanted me to ask you, and I think this relates to your blog as well as your book. Dr. Langmaid wanted me to ask you about your editing process. What What is your process for editing typically look like with your writing? Um, is that for the book or, cause I mean, with the book, I, I, I had an editor 
at Harper. Um, well, so I think he's actually talking about your blog because I okay, think that's my blog. kind of yeah. Okay. Um, so I personally, a lot of writing advice out there says that you know, like there's a famous. I don't know if I can curse on this podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we oh dude. We're Cairo we, we're fu- we're fucking raw. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Like yeah, dude, dude, uh, we're, we're no drugs, just cursing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like. There's a famous Hemingway quote where he says, if, "He says uh, the first draft of, it, of everything is shit," and um, I'm a big subscriber of that. That. Yeah. That belief, like everything. Um, the majority of the quality, like how, whatever the quality of your writing, the majority of it is going to be teased out in, in the editing process. So, um, generally what I do is my goal with the first draft is to just get everything on the page. And I try not to judge it too much. It's just like, get the info out. Like don't even, even if it's grammatically incorrect and I make right. like, I try not to care too much. Um, the second go through is the second and third go through is that's where like the real, magic happens that's when you start reading it like pretending you're the reader and asking yourself like is this good is this horrible okay if it's horrible what would make it good what can i add to this paragraph to like make it good and so it's kind of like macro stuff um and i and i spend a lot of time paying attention to like voice and and uh flow and things like that and then it's usually the third or fourth time through that you know you you get into the nitty-gritty of like is the comma in the right place? Should this be, yeah. should I break this paragraph up or should I combine these two or, you know, stuff like that. So um, you basically like start at a very macro level and then slowly like zoom into the details over time. Thanks, thanks for sharing. Thank, and Jeffrey, I hope that answered your question. Uh, you're in Austin still, right? No, I, I grew up in Austin. Oh, you grew up in Austin. Where do you live right now? Uh, I live in New York. Oh, you live in New York, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, so is there is there because um, I was going to bring up the fact like Tucker Max and Noah Kagan, yeah, yeah. all these guys are are living in Austin. Is there a reason why you lo- you like living in New York City? Uh, the energy or anything for you? What's a good fit for is why New York uh, City love, for you? I love New York. I, I it's fine. I'm an East Coast guy who was born in the wrong place. <laughs> uh, yeah. I grew up in Austin. I love Austin. It, it's a great place. But uh, I moved. I went to school in Boston. And um, I, yeah, I just love big cities. I love the East Coast vibe. It's like very no bullshit, like very in your face, very manic. Um, yeah. And I, I, I kind of thrive off of that. Yeah. Well, that works for you, especially with chapter three of, of if you guys <laughs> are just joining us, where with uh, Mark Manson, the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, as you are not special, and that is okay. I'm going to dive into a couple, just a couple chapters. We, we, sure. Uh, and sure. but talk to you first before we jump into the book. Uh, obviously, the blog. There's tons of great content on there. Uh, if you guys subscribe to the blog, uh, for or actually the subscription service for six dollars a month, I mean it's a fucking no-brainer. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably gonna swear more than I than I wanted to, but six dollars a month gets Swire, you yeah. access to these really cool. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, he's a swearing guy. Uh, <laughs> the, the courses on there, man. I mean, dude, like they're really cool, interesting. I mean. Like real big problems that I, I think you know, like yeah. we're talking about traveling, anxiety, communication, and relationships. Uh, can you just give a brief plug and kind of insight into these courses and the yeah. why behind yeah. people should be taking these? Because I think they're awesome. Well, and there's actually there's one on there for writing and blogging as well. Um, okay, cool. It kind of gets into like the nuts and bolts of 
of, of my process and, and how I think about writing. Um, yeah, so as I was blogging over the years, I, I, I released a couple of courses, like online courses, video courses, things like that. And, um, and it always felt like it was in kind of a weird place because um, it was like so many people came to the blog for article content and then there was a very small amount of people who maybe like had a big problem that, you know, would sign up for a course or something. And so what I did a few years ago is I said, you know what, like I should just make, make these courses, like just basically expand some of like the, the, the principles of the blog itself. So, um, you know, everybody who kind of struggles with the relationships, like we'll just have like six hours of course content that just like really deep dives into all the concepts that I bring up in my articles. Um, you know, same thing for communication and um, yeah. anxiety and things like that. And it's, it's, I basically kind of turned it into a supplement for the writing. Um, and it's been great because now it's, it's position is like, you know, if you read an article about relationships or something, you really love it. And you're like, wow, I really wish I knew like the research and the ideas behind this, like where they came from, like how to maybe how to implement them or how to think about them in my own life. Um, you know, the course is there for that. So yeah. it's been great. And it's, and it's, um, and it's one price you get access to everything. Um, yeah, it's, it, a, no, it's, it's, a, it's a no brainer. It's, like, it's too hard when you have like millions of readers, it's too hard to like try to like sell this course to this person and this one. So it's just like, give, just give me a little money and you can have everything. <laughs> you're, I, I, I dig it, man. And you're getting a lot of comments about your hollow body. Uh, are you a decent guitar player or average or phenomenal? Where would you put yourself? <laughs> um, I would say these days, like decent. Uh, okay, cool. Music used Are to be my thing. It, like, used to, I went to music school and was like, wanted to be a professional musician. This is when I was young. Um, yeah. These days, I don't play very much. So, uh, so are you a songwriter? What's that? Are you a songwriter at any time? Songwriter? or? Uh, yeah, when I was young, I wrote some stuff. I don't sing, cool. though. I'm a terrible singer. <laughs> okay, cool. We're gonna dive. We're gonna dive. <laughs> we're gonna dive into a couple concepts and insights and nuggets from this book. Uh, questions I have. I actually uh, back in the day, and we're full disclosure. We dropped raw bombs, like I say at Cairo Sushi. Um, you know, back in the day, I, I actually went through a program called the Three Principles in uh, in Northern California, which was basically a school for bad boys. Um, and uh, and I went through a process of learning about you know thoughts control your emotions which create your beliefs but yeah. i got to a point with this this kind of work where it was like i really developed apathy i mean i didn't care about anything not giving a fuck the subtle art of not giving a fuck is not a glorification of apathy right no no definitely not it's it, it's, it's, a, it's all about yeah. like it's all about learning to choose and focus where, where you're giving your fucks. Because, I mean, the, the central premise of the book is, like, whether we realize it or not, we're always choosing what to care about. And that simple choice is actually, like, matters more than anything. Because even if you, if you choose to care about the wrong thing, even if, if you work really hard, if you set goals, if you wake up at 6 a.m., if you, like, practice all these productivity things, if you're caring about the wrong thing, then, you know, you're going to... You're just, it's not going to work. Everything's going to backfire. Yeah. When, when you, when we, I, I know there's, there's probably more groups out there that are doing, uh, and which has got to be kind of freaking weird. I bet like when people are like, Hey, we're doing your book as a club thing. 
And like, because we're starting, like we're actually starting it this quarter. Uh, yeah. and, and so we give like for three months, is there anything that you'd say to, uh, from a student perspective or, or, or from a, um, you know, looking at this actually and workshopping the book, where yeah. would you guide some of our, our users in our group for the book? I would say, so when I was writing the book, I, I think one of the things that's different about my book compared to a lot of other personal development, personal growth type stuff, um, yeah. is there's not, a, there's not a whole lot of like tangible prescriptive advice. There's not a whole lot of like, go do X, Y, Z, like fill out this quiz and then you can go do this. Um, and when I was writing it, my publisher actually kind of pressured me to, to put some of that stuff in there. And I told him, no, I said, you know, the whole point, the whole point of the book is to learn how to become aware of what you're caring about and learn how to, how to exercise that choice of what to care about. Um, and I said that like, if I start giving, I start telling people what the value, um, that kind of defeats the whole purpose. Like the whole point of the book is like teaching right. people how to choose Figure it out themselves. themselves. Yes. Right. Yeah. Not Mark's, not Mark's one, but I do want to jump to chapter six real quick and talk about, you do have some, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know, Manson's law of avoidance. If you could yeah. fill us <laughs> in on, on what is the Manson's law of avoidance? Well, I, I always wanted to name a law about myself, so I did. Uh, <laughs> even though I, I'm pretty sure I didn't come up with it. Uh, but basically, Manson's law of avoidance states that we will avoid something that threat, threatens our identity in proportion to how much it threatens our identity. So, um, and the interesting thing about this is that it, it, it explains both fear of failure and fear of success. You know, so people are afraid of failure because they're afraid it's going to contradict, you know, who they are. So they think they're, you know, they're a good doctor or they're a good father or, um, and they hold on to this. And so they, they, they'll avoid doing things that might threaten that. Um, but the same thing is true of fear of success. We also avoid things that will threaten our identity. So if we believe that, you know, we're just like, um, like a humble everyday Joe, um, then if a huge opportunity comes ar around, that's actually going to freak us out and we're going to find ways to sabotage ourselves and, and, uh, avoid it as well. And so, um, I really think fear of failure and fear of success, they're, they're basically the same thing, which is the fear of the loss of ourselves. Um, because yeah. all change requires killing a part of yourself uh, and rebuilding something in its place. And that's, that is inherently a frightening thing um, for us to deal with psychologically. I don't, you know, part of you got that. It, it, there's, there's another area in your book where you, I think you talk about uh, you, you had a fear of failing. Like if you went out on the weekend and didn't, didn't pick up chicks, right? Yeah. Like, I I don't get that from you though, dude. I mean, I gotta be <laughs> I, like, I don't I don't pick up Mister like. I, so, is part of killing yourself? Did you kill part of that? So, I mean, was there was there a let more broish Mark Manson before? Let me find my gold chains. Where did I put them? Uh, <laughs> no. Way. Uh, let me uh, undo my shirt a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think I did. I had to. Um, yeah. I was very attached to that. You know, I, I, for many, for much of my young adulthood, I was very attached to uh, validation from women. That was a big part of my identity. It was, it was a very, it was, it was something I was using to compensate for a lot of my insecurities and fears. And, um, 
and yeah, it's, it was terrifying to let go of. It was terrifying. Like I, I would like the first few times, like I just stayed home and like watched TV on a weekend. I, I was like, wow, I'm a loser. Like what's wrong with me? Nobody wants, to, I'm in here because nobody wants to hang out. With that's me. almost like what happens. Yeah. That's what happens when people stop drinking and shit like that. Right. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of, it's funny. <laughs> One of the, I had a section originally in the first draft of the book. It's funny you bring that up. I had a section in the book about addiction. Um, where I kind of basically, I mean, it eventually got cut because I, I don't think I had fleshed out the ideas completely or, or very well. But, you know, I, I definitely believe there's uh, addiction is, is probably, it's, it's not purely a chemical thing. Like it's, it's, yeah. you can, you can be addicted to all sorts of behaviors. Um, you know, there's, because generally underlying any addiction, there's like this emotional dependency on something. And, um, and that can be, chasing women that could be video games that could be porn that could be right making money it could be work um you know it's definitely not it's not the same as alcoholism like chemically and, and neurologically probably but uh i definitely think there's something to that for sure well suffering i mean i, I think universally that's all there's and you talk about uh i we were i don't want to dive into that but there's a great chapter guys if you guys are just joining us we're mark manson uh, author of the subtle art of not giving a fuck um, there's a chapter on suffering and actually I really, I, I, for the first time someone I, I really agreed with, like, there's, it's inevitable that you're, you're you know, there's value actually in suffering. Something yeah. that I picked up from your book too, is one of my mentors, uh, and, and former co-founder with me at Dr. Base, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Johnson Kim created a company called five, nine, uh, took that company public. One of his greatest lessons to me was all entrepreneurs should have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, yeah. And there was some, yeah. there was some correlation there. Um, I, I and there's a great chapter on the importance of saying no. But the big one for me, man, I want to dive into before we close out, because uh, it's something I'm going to share with our group today. I have a very very insane fear of death, but I'm also kind of an outcast and rebel where it's like uh, I'm the dude that's going to go till five in the morning, and if someone says hey, we have this really cool drug that's never been out there before. I'm like, yeah, let me do it. Like, I, so there's like this this contradiction, right? Like I'm like, yeah. you know, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm I'm definitely afraid of death. But uh, you you feel that a healthy fear of death is positive. Yeah. Well, I think I think contemplation of our own death is is positive. I think it's important. Um, one of the reasons is is what you just mentioned. I think the more you know, it, that fear, that it's like any fear, right? Like the way you deal with it is by confronting it. It's like putting yourself in a situation, thinking about it. Um, otherwise, you just find new ways to avoid it. Um, and because the fear of death is like constant throughout our lives, um, if we avoid it, the more, there's always opportunity to avoid it, you know, in, in all sorts of different ways. And, um, and I think... You know, kind of the whole book, is, like I said, it's about values. It's about choosing what to care about. And I guess the argument I make in the end is the only way you can really know if something is worth caring about, if something is worthwhile, if something's worth giving a fuck about, um, yeah. is thinking about it in regards to your own death. It's the only way to, like, really kind of be objective about it. Like, is this something, if I died, is this something that would, be, would have been worth spending my energy and my time? Uh, and I think 
probably most people in their lives have an experience. I, I talk about one of mine in the book, but I think most people have an experience of like somebody close to them dies or maybe they come close to death themselves um, or a family member gets like really sick and it, it changes you because all of a sudden it's like all, all those petty arguments that you know you and dad had for years, it's like suddenly he gets cancer and it's like, whoa, none of that mattered. I wish yeah. I called more, you know? Um, yeah. And so even though death is scary, um, I think it's, it is, it's necessary to think about Like it's, it's, uh, it's probably mentally healthy to a certain extent. Good. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, uh, I want to leave you with one question I'm asking. Uh, one of the goals of Cairo Sushi is to bring people outside of chiropractic in that I believe they're the smartest people in the room. Uh, you're probably like, Jesus, that's not me, but no, I, you are one of the smartest people in the room. I'm going to give you a challenge or like a, a variety, like an integrated challenge. And it's just one question kind of, here's the, here's the problem. Uh, and, and you might not have the solution or you might not have the answer, but here's uh, a, a, a tool. Uh, we believe chiropractic that can help optimize the body, the mind. Uh, some believe the spirit. Uh, we are outcast which relates to your book. One of the other reasons why we chose your book to go out because we embrace the rabble, the outcast since sure. 1895. Um, and, uh, but we're not, we're not, we're only serving a certain percentage, like a minuscule percentage of the population because our brand is so, has so much confusion to it. If you were to say, take over either branding for chiropractic or marketing for chiropractic one, you know, what would you do? <laughs> Dude, if I had a good answer to this, I would be, I'd be charging you a lot of money. <laughs> I know, I know, dude. I'm a sneaky, I'm a sneaky motherfucker. I'm a sneaky motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just an internet guy. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I really don't know. I, like, I, I can just. How about this? I can give you my personal testimonial. Like, uh, my knowledge. So, for instance, my cousin is a chiropractor. Uh, oh, cool. And I think, I think it's probably one of those things. So for instance, well, it's probably one of those things that, that a lot of it happens like word of mouth or through reference, you know, like I'll give you another example. So like acupuncture and acupuncture is kind of in the same boat in terms of like the skepticism and the, the ridicule yeah. and all this stuff. Um, I never, I, like, I thought acupuncture was bunk and then my dad started having back problems and he was dead, like the doctors couldn't fix it. And then he went to an actual acupuncturist and like they fixed, like it was instant, like fixed. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. And so, <laughs> and now my wife goes to one. And so like, I don't know how it works. I don't know why it works, but like for some people it works. Right. Um, yeah. and I imagine, you know, in the world of psychology, it's kind of similar in that, um, you know, there's no therapy that has a hundred percent hit rate. Um, yeah. You know, like there's a bunch of different types of therapies and some of them work great for some people and horrible for others. And some of them work great for other people and horrible for others. And um, it's probably similar with some of these other types of medicine. I imagine, yeah. you know, you, yeah. and you probably, you probably see that with clients. Some clients come in and it's just like, boom, like magic. And then, you know, other clients, like it's a, it's a struggle. It's like an uphill struggle. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I want. I appreciate, and, and and I'm grateful for the answer that you said. I would be charging a lot, and and we're going <laughs> to talk about that offline because that's going to be one of the challenges next year for our Cairo Sushi Summit. I appreciate, dude, all the time you gave today for our group, uh, and for the Cairo Sushi uh, family, and um, 
just thank you so much. You guys, if you want to pick up a copy, you can go to Amazon, get your copy, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Subscribe, uh, $6 a month. It's a no-brainer to um, markmanson.net. Uh, any chance you're going to get the markmanson.com? Who owns that? Dude, I've been looking for years. Years. Yeah. Do you feel antiquated with the .NET, or do you feel totally. like kind of, is it, it's, 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 it's it's like a non no it's like a gnawing insecurity in the back of my it's like <laughs> it's like man still not a .com guy. If anybody you know, if anybody watching this has, knows of who has the .com or can find the person at .com, I'm willing to pay a bounty at this point. Like I've been looking for years for the guy and I can't find. Him. That's awesome. Uh, thank you, Mark Manson. Guys, get your copy of uh, how to, how, how to, The Subtle Art, The How to Not Give This to Know That, or The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck at Amazon. And uh, we look forward to working on your book over the next quarter here. Thanks so much, dude. Thanks.